0: I'm not the most uh, Christmassy person I'm a small little bit of a Grinch uh, I think whenever our young people here in the house are talking about Christmas and put on Christmas songs and especially tinsel it just drives me mad um, but I, I don't know I, I don't know what, 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 what the reason behind it is really I guess uh, I'm a bit pragmatic or a bit practical and I find that uh, there can be such a huge build-up to Christmas. And when you were a child, I mean, things were very simple. You're, the world was very simple when you were a child. When you were a child, what does Christmas mean? It means more chocolate and toys. Well, there, well, there's no problem, like, there really is no issue. There's no difficulty or challenge. When you're an adult, things are complicated because now you have the, the, the in-laws and the, you know, the person who struggles with, with a bit of an addiction and you've got <clears throat> the... A son or daughter isn't talking to another son or daughter isn't talking to a parent, or you know you've got uh, you, 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 the world is now much, much more complicated as an adult. <coughs> so uh, Christmas then brings all of that back together, because that's the reality of family life. It brings back the family and all of the, the various problems and, and difficulties and concerns and worries and duties. You know, you have to visit these people and those people and all this kind of thing. And then there's a the need to try and create unity. And there's a need to, 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 to renew forgiveness. You know, so Christmas as an adult is complex. I'm not, I'm not really talking about me here, but I, just, I think in general, Christmas is complicated. Like, it's... There's there's a lot more going on than you know just mulled wine and and Christmas pudding. Like there's there's a lot there's a lot going on behind the scenes, and I think for for a lot of people, they they see that too. It's why Christmas can be a very hard time for people. Christmas can be a really actually depressing time for for many people. The rates of suicide always go up around this time of the year, December January, because well if this is as good as it gets, and yet I feel like I'm down here, well then. If this is it, then what's the point? You know, it's, it can be a very, very, it can be a very saddening time for people. If this is the time that family come back together, and yet I feel isolated, well, then that can just be, it, it, I think it magnifies the problem. It can, it can make things very, very difficult as well. So, and yet that said, this is supposed to be a time of hope, and life, and renewal, and joy, and union. But the reality of family life is what it is. It's not perfect. Now, so the theme of family. The theme of family is, we can't even begin to imagine how important it is to God. Right? God who reveals himself as father. So God reveals himself as father. Jesus comes and he even furthers that, that title of, of, of God as father. Father. And calls him abba, meaning meaning not just father, we, we generally translate abba father abba doesn't mean father abba is what a child would call their parent. Abba means dad or daddy or dad, depending on where you're from so the way Jesus spoke to the father now is so incredibly intimate it's not just a kind of a, a fatherhood uh, in an analogical uh, as an analogical term, but it's' it's, it's father. As in a relationship, a relationship. And this is, this was unheard of. And, and the strange or sad thing is that for many of us, and me included, to understand God as father or live a relationship with God as father, this may never have happened to us. You know, I think for, for generations, and I, I don't know if this was ever strong in the church in Ireland. We're, we're known as such a Catholic country. I'm not sure if you can go back 50, 60, 100 years to a time when many Irish people believed that God was their father. I don't, I don't think so. Now, as far as I know, it was, it was never really the case. So, some saints would have gotten there all right. But in general, we kind of, we've missed that point, which is a tragedy, to miss the point that God wishes to be your father that God is your father and that God wants to draw you close to him as a father would their beloved child their beloved son their beloved daughter we we got stuck on the rules uh, important as they are but we got stuck on them we we got stuck into the Ten Commandments or the thou shalt not and again don't get me wrong please obey them there's nothing wrong with them but our faith cannot be reduced to them Our faith is supposed to be a relationship. So right from the beginning, when Adam and Eve doubted God's goodness, you know, when when they're tempted by the serpent, is it true that you're not allowed to eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? They say, well, we can. Eve responds, yes, we can eat from the fruit of any of the trees or bushes in the garden, all of them except one, lest we die. This one will kill us. It's effectively poisonous. And he says, die, you will not die, but your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's. You will be like God's. Now, what would, what should a childlike heart have done? A childlike heart should have gone back to God and said, God, we heard, or dad, we heard that if we eat this fruit, it'll make us more like you. Is that true? But rather than run it by him, rather than ask him, rather than trust him, that he would give them whatever was good for them, they take it, they steal it, they steal, They want to be like God, so in order to get that, they steal from God, they disobey God, that's why this sin is much bigger than the, just they were hungry, so they ate an apple, they weren't hungry, they were not hungry, and they were eating an apple, or fruit it doesn't actually say it was an apple in scripture, but they ate the fruit, not because they they, they were hungry, but because they didn't trust that God would make them that God would give them what they needed, that they were lacking something that they could have if they stole. And so this, this is the problem, to doubt God's goodness, to doubt the fatherhood of God. So in all of Scripture, what, 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 what the Lord is trying to do, what, what God is trying to do is draw his family back. And his family... What's, what, what, my, my sister has a little plaque up in the back of her door. She says... Um, uh, my family tree, how would you say, "Oh yeah, I love my family tree. it's full of nuts. <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and it's that kind of idea. You draw the family back, but holy cow, when you do, like it's, uh, it can be dramatic, you know It's not exactly straightforward. So the Lord's trying to draw the family back. Then God say so Jesus comes and reveals the Father in an even more intimate and close kind of a way, and then we read in our gospel today. He shall turn the hearts of fathers towards their children and the hearts of children towards their fathers. Now, this works in earthly terms, as in, obviously, the Lord wants to heal families. So he wants earthly families to be united and children unite to their fathers and fathers united and serving their children. But then there's also like, the bigger picture, the eschatological picture, that we be united with God the Father in heaven and he be our Father for all eternity. So there's, there's two levels to this. There's the, the healing of the family, important as it is, and then the healing of this, this divine relationship as well. So you could, almost, you could summarize our whole faith in that. Adam and Eve ruptured that, that father-son, father-daughter relationship, and Jesus now is trying to heal that. or Well, effectively, he has healed that in the sense that all the grace necessary to heal that is now available. We just have to work with it. Do I want that? Do I want my relationship with the Father to be healed? Some might say no. That's that's always a possibility. But the grace necessary is available, that we can have this, this reconciled, healed relationship with the Father. So that he has already turned his heart towards me, but have I turned my heart towards him? And there's no doubt like this is... This is such a, a key theme in our faith, but I think the enemy has done a good job in diverting our attention to all sorts of other things. You know, I, for the moment, I mean, the, the, don't get me wrong—I mean, the environment is important, but it, it, this is not a key issue for the church at the moment. It's not. The environment is important, but like that's more government policy, and like that, that's more their responsibility at the moment. Why? Because in, we have to focus on the things that only we can do. Imagine, I mean, you can imagine two parents now so focused on taking care of the environment that they don't take care of their children, right? Is the environment important? Of course it is. Take care of your children first, you know. I mean, like make sure they have enough to eat, change their nappies, bring them to school, do that first, and then if you've you know if you have time left over, by all means, start a recycling group or whatever you want to do. Uh, In the church, we have to focus on the things that only we can do, and then if yes, if there's time left over, if there's if there's a an excess of of, of resources and that by all means, you know, do something for the environment. But we must focus primarily on the good of the soul. Incidentally, if and when we do that, the more we focus on the the renewal of the person's interior life, the more respect they have for creation. Why? Because the more respect they have for other people, the less likely they are to, to, to be materialistic or gluttonous and consume more things than are actually necessary. We won't go into that whole thing, but the point is, the point is, healing this relationship with the Father is central to the Church's mission. And as I say, I think the enemy has done a good job in in, in drawing our attention away from that to other things, but we have to get back to that. Do you know, like, so and this this it, this completely it, it, it radically changes or renews your prayer life. <laughs> If you sit down and you're praying to kind of get through a certain number of prayers, or if you sit down and you list all the intentions that you have, it can make prayer a bit heavy, fairly dry, and very much done with a sense of duty, as opposed to, I get to spend time with my Father. I get to spend time with my Heavenly Father. That's, that's, a, that's a completely different way of praying. Because now if you, if you pray your three rosaries, by all means do if you can, but if you sit there and just for that, for that particular holy hour, you decide, actually, Lord, I think, I think I won't talk at all. I think I'll just sit here and be with you. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. It might actually might be the best thing you've done all week, just to spend actually time with him rather than listing the problems as I say our intentions are important absolutely but at times if we focus only on them during our prayer our prayer can become very heavy I'm praying for this person who's cancer this person who's dead this person who, who's depressed this person who's hurt this person whose marriage has gone through a difficult time this, this young person who isn't going to school anymore and you spend an hour thinking of all of that I don't think you come out of the, the holy hour feeling uplifted or renewed or anything I think you just spent a whole hour thinking of everything that's wrong in the world. So uh, th- th- there's a time and a place for that, maybe f- maybe five minutes, but to spend more of the time just enjoying the presence of your father. I was reading this morning the, the, the effects in society of fatherlessness, and I just got this in the, the, the Wall Street Journal. It said, virtually every major social pathology political scientist uh, Stephen Baskerville writes, has been linked to fatherlessness in children. Violent crime, drug, alcohol abuse, uh, suicide, psychological disorders, all correlating more strongly with fatherlessness fatherlessness than with any other single factor. So the enemy, if he can take fathers out of families and if he can take fathers out of the church, i.e. priests, and if he can take fatherhood out of our relationship with with God and make him into some sort of a creative power, but not a father, then he has succeeded and the chaos that we see afterwards is, is is evident He wants to turn the hearts of fathers towards their children, and then he wants us he wants the hearts of children to be turned towards their fathers. His fatherly heart is already turned towards us, and now he wants us to return. His love with our love, respond to his love with our love, as his children, as his children. And this means then that our Christmas experience, these, these, this time of, of family, this time of expectation in, in advent, and then the coming of Jesus in the crib, it's so much more than just a story for children. The Lord wants to restore and renew his family, and he wants us to be part of it, and that grace is available to every one of us. What a gift. So we ask the Lord today that these words from the prophet Malachi, that they might resonate with each one of us and that we might take whatever time is necessary to renew that relationship with our Father. He shall turn the hearts of fathers towards their children and the hearts of children towards their fathers. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining us uh, for these homilies on the internet, wherever you are watching us. Uh, It's a great honour and privilege that you would join us uh, on such a regular basis to share in our life here in Holy Family Mission. We're now eight years on the go, and we've had the privilege of welcoming over 90 young people to take part in our year-long faith formation programme, and all of that is possible due to your donations, your support, your help and your prayers. So we're greatly, greatly appreciative of all that has been done here, uh, also through your support and your efforts. Uh, This is our fundraising Christmas appeal time of the year as well, so if any of you can or would like to support us, uh, we would be delighted if you could do so. We, maybe I shouldn't be saying all of this, but we uh, uh, charge our young people €4,000 a year to be here. It costs, in our around €10,000. We subsidise the price then by running retreats here and by fundraising. That's how, that's how we, we work. So uh, thank you so much for all <coughs> that you can do to further the mission of Holy Family Mission, that we can continue to renew, reinvigorate, and revive the faith here in this country and indeed abroad. God bless you.